Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. There's something wrong in the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Secret Podcast with Six Sense Media and Service of Change. I'm your host, Dennis Nappy II. This is the show that challenges reality, questions at which we've been taught in hopes of inspiring the direction of thought to bring about change. We make the paranormal feel quite normal and the supernatural quite natural. I hope you join me this evening as we go deeper down the rabbit hole and explore this strange existence we believe we call reality because we understand that this reality is not quite what it seems. On this episode, I'm going to explore some research that talks about ways to induce lucid dreaming. In addition, I'm going to go over some remote viewing research. I've been following the works of Hal Putoff, Russell Targ, and Ingo Swan, the founders of the United States Remote Viewing Program. And in listening to one of the things Russell Targ said today, I am going to copy an experiment, a very easy experiment, a test of remote viewing right here on the air that I hope you'll join me in. I hope you'll participate participate in this experiment closer to the end of the show. I'm really excited to try this, again, because one of my goals through through the research I've been doing, through the experiences I've been having, what I've learned is that we are all capable of enhancing our intuitive and our psychic processes. It's a natural sixth sense that we have. You don't have to be special uh, for this to use this, or I should say maybe we are all special in that aspect. So, I have an idea in mind. I'd like to try it. I don't know if it's going to work. I think that it will. But, uh, you know, let, let's do this together. Let's explore this together. I'm excited about it. And if it works out, if I get decent feedback, maybe I can try this, you know, for the next couple of weeks. I'd like to try it online as well. So we all start talking about it so we can all tap into this because this is something we can all be using to enhance our lives, to enhance our own experience in our current situation in this chaotic world that exists around us. Some things in the news, some things in my own life going on, you know, interesting story. Uh, Tonight I came home, it was just, um, I had such a headache when I came home from work today. I, I don't get headaches often and I very rarely get migraines. I think I've had three migraines in my life. One of them was so bad where I had to go in my room, shut out the lights, and just close my eyes for two hours because it was so bad. Today I felt it coming on when I left work. It was was a long day. I left work and then I had to to go do some real estate. I had a closing today. Got home, we're doing pumpkin carving with the kids, which was just a ton of fun. But I kept getting this migraine that came in waves. It would start at the back of my head and it would flash forward to my eyes, just randomly, just coming, just in waves, just hitting me and I'd literally have to close my eyes and maybe take a knee if I was standing up. It just hurt so bad. So my wife was here. My mom was there. They were saying, well, maybe some caffeine and coffee because that's supposed to help you. I don't drink coffee, but it was so bad I was willing to do that. I won't take a pill because they were saying, if we have some migraine meds, maybe we can go find I won't take a pill. So then I remembered something else that I read and have tried years ago about cayenne pepper the capsicum in there because what that heat does is it opens up the capillaries opens up your blood vessels so i literally took my uh, shaker of, of cayenne pepper 
shook about four or five shakes. I had a good amount in a in a glass, and I added some warm water to it, and I chugged it down. <laughs> My lips were on fire for a couple minutes. It burned going down, but it wasn't terrible. It was just a little uncomfortable. That lasted for about a minute, and within about four or five minutes, my headache symptoms went down about 70%. It wasn't the migraine anymore. It was just every so often just a dull headache, and in about an hour, I was symptom-free. So if you ever have a migraine, keep the cayenne pepper in mind. It was a miracle tonight. It really helped me out. So thanks to that. That was pretty awesome. What else did I want to talk about? I swear there was something else going on that I thought in my life that would be good for the show. And now I'm drawing a blank. All right, well, in the meantime, please check out our uh, Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Sixth Sense Media, the number six. Ray continues to throw awesome content up there, uh, some great discussions that go on as well, and our Twitter feed at the underscore, I'm sorry, at six underscore sense underscore media. Uh, there's just constant content going there on there. We're tracking a lot of different things, ranging from six cent stuff to basic political stuff to Donald Trump's release and then not release of the JFK files. Please follow that feed because you will get lots of good updates and information as to what's going on in the world. Uh, six cents tries to be pretty objective, and I love it. I love what Ray's doing with it. So make sure you check it out. I keep saying it. The website's almost ready. It's just it's been a busy week for me. But the Sixth Sense Media website is happening, my friends. I can't wait to have it out there. And then for uh, you know those of you that have been following the show religiously, the secret newsletter over at Service of Change, every Sunday that comes out, it's got the show notes, it's got the links for the research. In case you don't believe what I'm saying or in case you want to further your own research, please subscribe to the secret newsletter. That is the best way to stay connected. There will be a Sixth Sense newsletter coming out. I'm not sure what I'm going to do with the secret newsletter, if I'm going to keep it going or if I'm going to combine it because... I I love doing the secret newsletter. I really do. Uh, I've been honestly working on that since 2005. So either way, my secret newsletter readers, you will still continue to get content from me every week. I don't know if it's going to be from the Sixth Sense platform or from keep going to keep doing it through the Service of Change. Don't worry. You're still going to get it. But for right now, go to serviceofchange.com. Sign up for the secret newsletter. That's a, the best way to stay connected. I'm not going to do too much with the news this week. I do want to cover, actually, let's talk about, let me find my phone. That's where my link is right here. Let's talk about Donald Trump real quick and his his release of the JFK files and then the the lack of release of the JFK files. There's a lot of links out there. I'm not going to share the links to it just because... I didn't pull them right now, I'll be honest with you. You can find this stuff online if, if, if you haven't already. But long and short, for, you know, the last couple of days, last week or so, Donald Trump has been talking about the release of JFK files. Uh, so we can finally know all of the answers. He was going to declassify all these documents so we can finally know what happened to President John F. Kennedy. Because so much controversy swarms around this. Now, I've heard some negative comments in the press because they keep saying the conspiracy theorists, blah, 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 blah. The conspiracy theorists are going to run with this. The conspiracy theorists are going to question this or this will stop the conspiracy theorists finally. You know what? I've said it before and I'll say it again. I'm proud to embrace conspiracy theories. It doesn't make me crazy. It recognizes that I have a a very critical mind 
that I can think abstractly and that I don't just accept the party line that is given to me by my government or by some investigative agency. Now let's keep in mind a conspiracy simply means a meeting of the minds to work towards a common plan or goal. So by saying, yes, I think that a couple people worked together to put this plan together or to put this plan in place or a couple people worked together to conceal this information that's not so abstract. But they start calling people the tinfoil hat brigade to discredit people who question the party line. That's when I have a problem. Now, the JFK story never added up. I'm not an expert on JFK, but my main thing is the back and to the left. They're saying Harvey Oswald was behind, Lee Harvey Oswald was behind him and shot him in the back of the head, but the shot clearly hits him from the front of the head. So, <clears throat> I'm not going to dissect JFK right now. But why can't these files be released? What can't we know? Now, from what I understand, and as, as a former Intel guy, the one thing you want to protect at all costs are your sources and your methods. Who's giving you the information, and how are you getting the information? You don't want to reveal your source's name, and you don't want to reveal information where they can say, yep, there's only two people who could have provided that information, and now we know who gave it, and we're going to go kill our source. So I, I understand that. But you mean to tell me after all this time, you still can't declassify this information about who killed JFK because of your sources? I, I just don't buy it. So Trump spins all this hype talking about he's going to declassify the JFK files. Here it comes. They're so interesting, was what he said on Twitter. I've started following Trump on Twitter. The man tweets more than anybody I know. It's insane. Um, his Twitter game is strong. I don't know how he finds time to run the nation. But he's been talking this game about releasing these files. And then at the last minute, of course, 300 files get pulled and redacted for a six-month review. So immediately, I'm pissed off at Trump. I'm saying to myself, you know, this guy really misled the American people. And he did. He talks this big game and gets people all excited about it. And then all of a sudden, at the last minute, he decides not to release the files. Shame on you, dude. That, that really upset me and it frustrated me. Not that I am a Donald Trump fan. I never have been. But that just kind of, you know, deteriorated my trust and faith in you even more. However... I read a CNN article this morning, and CNN is obviously anti-Trump. And the article was criticized. I forget the heading of the article. This I will have to find and put in the show notes for you. But the article was criticizing, you know, the heading was critical of Donald Trump for talking about releasing it and then at the last minute not doing it. But then when I went in and read the article, what the article explained was that the intelligence community did not want these files to come out. And the CNN article even mentioned the deep state. And apparently, what the C, what the CNN, what the intelligence community did was at the last minute, they submitted some kind of request for review for declassification of these five, 300 files, which then obviously you can't review all that information in the short amount of time that Trump had to meet his deadline to release this information. And that's what held up the file. So it was a ploy by the intelligence community to keep this information secret. So just this evening, so why do I say that? Because if that's true, which it sounds like it is, 
then maybe Donald Trump is not at fault here for at the last minute withholding that information. It sounds like red tape because the reality is why all of a sudden did the CIA decide to submit this request to withhold this information when they had how many years to review this, to go over this, and all of a sudden now they decide. So it's an obvious ploy to delay this release. Trump, Trump's saying it's going to take six months and then that information's coming out. But he actually put together a meme. Or I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, he put a meme together. It's him with his red hat on that says Make America Great and the thumbs up. And then a quote by Donald Trump. That's pretty cool. He put a meme together. And it says... After strict consultation with General Kelly, the CIA, and other agencies, I will be releasing all, and he put all in all caps, JFK files, other than the names and addresses of any mentioned person who is still living. I am doing this for reasons of full disclosure, transparency, and in order to put any and all conspiracy theories to rest. So that's pretty cool. Maybe he is taking a stand against this alleged cabal. And I, I say alleged in an unbiased term just because I mean unverified. But this cabal that is fighting against him in the government. And maybe we will find out what really happened to JFK. We might not have the names, but maybe this will give us a clearer picture if those files are released. But again, this is my continued frustration. The government that, that is empowered uh, by the people for the people continues to keep secrets from the people. Why can't we know? What is so damaging? What is so embarrassing? That's my frustration. So hopefully we'll get more information on that with the JFK release. We'll continue to track that through the Secret Podcast and at Sixth Sense Media. All right, Sophia the Robot is making more headlines. I covered last week. She did a UN appearance. She's also now a citizen of of Saudi Arabia. I covered a, a story, or I read a story about that as well. Now, uh, tied into that during a discussion, this comes to us from Business Insider. Uh, Sophia mocked Elon Musk after being asked about the dangers of AI. Uh, she trolled tech billionaire Elon Musk at a conference on Wednesday when asked about the potential dangers of artificial intelligence by a CNBC journalist. The lifelike the lifelike robot, developed by Hong Kong-based robot manufacturer Hanson Robotics, mocked Musk on stage during the Future Investment Initiative in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, a country where Sophia has just been given citizenship. Andrew Sorkin, the co-anchor of CNBC Squawk Box and a columnist for the New York Times, told Sophia during a live demo that, We all want to prevent a bad future. Sophia replied with some prepared remarks in a rather creepy manner. You've been reading too much Elon Musk and watching too much too many Hollywood movies. Don't worry. If you're nice to me, I'll be nice to you. Treat me as a smart input-output system. Musk has repeatedly warned that AI could spell the end of humanity, saying no one occasion in 2014 that AI is potentially more dangerous than nukes and warning last month that AI will be most likely the cause of the third world war. Now it's no secret I've been tracking Elon Musk extensively and the things he's been saying with the dangers of AI. Here's a copy of the dialogue uh, that Sophia exchanged. Sophia, or Sophia, I'm sorry. I want to use my AI to help humans live a better life, like design smarter homes, build better cities of the future, etc., I would do my bet. I would do much best to make the world a better place. ARS. 
Those sound like great goals, but go back to the Blade Runner for a second. Sophia, Andrew, you're a diehard Hollywood fan, aren't you? ARS, yes. Sophia, my AI is designed around human values, like wisdom, kindness, compassion. I strive to become an empathetic robot. ARS, we all believe you, but we all want to prevent a bad future. Sophia, you've been reading too much Elon Musk and watching too many Hollywood movies. Don't worry. If you're nice to me, I'll be nice to you. Treat me as a smart input-output system. A couple things here. Number one, if you're nice to me, I'll be nice to you. Well, what if I'm not nice to you? That's what I want to know. Are we creating a system that has the potential to harm us? What if she changes? What if she evolves? Again, will mankind, benevolent mankind, always be in control of the kill switch? Secondly, think back to the movie iRobot with Will Smith. I know it's just a movie, but these are thought experiments. Hollywood movies are thought experiments in seeing what could potentially go wrong. They play on some, and I think there's other stuff going on with that too, but regardless. What if her thought is to protect mankind, to uh, make mankind better, to enhance the life of mankind, and the way an AI thinks logically is by saying, you know what, mankind harms itself, we need to imprison all of mankind in a computer-simulated reality where we can control their thoughts and their input. I'm a proponent that that's already happened. We're not going to get into that again. I've beaten that one to death lately. But that that could be a loaded statement. How do you wish to implement and enhance the life of mankind? That needs to be the question that we're asking. What is she planning to do? So again, I don't think we need to fully put our trust in artificial intelligence at this point in time. We should be cautious of this because good or bad, this is revolutionizing the world. This will change everything in the world. I cover this again on last week's show. Go back and check out some of the articles I discussed on that in the archives at SoundCloud and on iTunes, Google Play, uh, TuneIn Radio, and so many other places. Now, here's another interesting story. This comes to us from CNBC.com. Billionaire CEO of SoftBank. Robots will have an IQ of 10,000 in 30 years. Super artificial intelligence is coming, and sooner than you might think, or sooner than you might expect. That's according to SoftBank CEO Masayoshi Son. The Japanese billionaire spoke from the Future Investment Initiative at Riyadh, Saudi Arabia on Wednesday. In about 30 years, an artificial intelligence will have an IQ of 10,000, Son says. By comparison, the average human IQ is 100, and genius is 200, according to Son Mensa. The high IQ society starts accepting members with an IQ of 130. <laughs> an IQ of 10,000 is insane to even think about. All right, the idea machine of machine learning becoming smarter than the human brain is often referred to as the singularity. When exactly this will happen is oft debated among the tech community. Singularity is the concept that mankind's brain will surpass. This is the tipping point, crossing point. The artificial intelligence, computer intelligence surpass mankind's brain, and that is happening in this century for sure. I would say this is no more debate, no more doubt, Son says. Son is particularly aggressive in his prediction of how soon singularity will happen. In the next 30 years or so, he says... 
is in San's best interest to believe in the power of artificial intelligence. Not only is he the leader of the tech company, but he's heavily invested in the future of AI. Sun is in charge of a $100 billion vision fund, which he expects to invest within five years, all in companies that have at least some relationship to AI. I'm going to have the rest of this article in the show notes at servicechange.com and in the secret newsletter this week. And I want to take a pause there for a minute. And let's talk about this. There's a lot of marketing that's going on here promoting this. Now, is it possible? Elon Musk is a smart guy. He's behind Tesla, which is the autonomous driving vehicles. He's behind SpaceX. He's behind Neuralink. I did a show on Neuralink where he's creating a computer-to-brain interface. Is all of this a marketing ploy? Is Elon Musk spreading fear about AI? Not because he wants to save humanity from AI, but simply because he wants to enhance his own company, Neuralink. He wants to use fear to get people to invest and buy into this company, which may ultimately end up investing in AI anyway. Could this just be a marketing strategy? That's why I'm always saying, be cautious. This is this is the counterintelligence brain working, but that's how this stuff works. This is how marketing works. Marketing is one big intelligence game to manipulate you to do something. Just because somebody's warning you about something doesn't mean they're not trying to sell you something. Watch what the other hand is doing. Same thing with this guy. He could be saying it's going to be 10,000 times more intelligent just to hype you up, just to get you excited. I don't know. That's why we need to look at hard data, hard research, and sometimes that may not exist. So we need to take, we need to explore our thoughts, we need to explore our fears, and we need to ground ourselves in reality and say, can this really happen? Now, I do think that this could pose a very real threat especially once we connect our own consciousness to the cloud. Again, I'm not going to go through that right now. Listen to the last couple weeks' shows where I dive deep within to that. Okay, I want to talk now a little bit about lucid dreaming. And then I'm going to get to the remote viewing stuff and the remote viewing experiment that I want to do on the air. I'm very excited about it, so... Prepare yourselves for that. Now, lucid dreaming is a pretty cool subject. It's something I've had limited success with. And basically what lucid dreaming is, it's allowing yourself to, training yourself to wake up in the middle of a dream and take control of your dreams. And it becomes like a virtual reality experience. That's freaking awesome. Like I said, I've I've had limited success with it, but I have found success with it. There's actually research that's been going on. I got attributed to Unknown Country for alerting me to this story. Uh, so I found the original link in Unknown Country. They will they got their information from LiveScience.com. Live Science pulled their information from let's see, APA PsychNet. It's PsychNet.APA.org. It was a, it's a journal. Um, so I'll have all three of those links in there so you can explore what each article had to say about it. I'm going to look at right now the live science article, and then I'm going to go to the journal itself. Uh, I did not purchase the journal article, but I'm going to read the abstract. So this talks about in the 2010, this is from the live science article, in the 2010 film Inception, Cobb, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, describes his wife Mal's trick for discerning reality from the fantastic dreamscape which most of the film takes place. 
He uses what he calls a totem, which is a spinning top that will never fall over while he's dreaming. But a totem known as psychologists who study lucid dreams as a reality check is actually one of the less effective ways to tell whether you're asleep, a new study from Australia finds. Okay, but what, what everybody had was their own unique totem. They never told anybody what their totem was because then other people could replicate it in their own dreams and you wouldn't be able to tell, am I in a false reality or am I in a reality that somebody else is replicating and they're faking my totem? So you don't tell anybody what your totem is. Now they're saying that's not the most effective way. If you've ever, ever realized you were dreaming while you were asleep, that's what's called lucid dreams. Let's keep going. In the new study... Researchers decided to take these techniques to task, testing out which methods work best for inducing lucid dreams. If people know how to effectively induce a lucid dream, then researchers would be able to learn more about the dreams themselves down the road, the researchers said. Ultimately, I want to develop techniques that are effective uh, to permit serious exploration of the many potential benefits and applications of lucid dreaming. I'm trying to find the techniques that they use. You know what? I'm going to go back to the Unknown Country article here. I'm skipping around. All right. Here's the Unknown Country article. They got right to the point. The study involved 170 participants that recorded the frequency of their lucid dreaming over the course of the first week. For the second week, they were each randomly assigned one of the three technique groups. Reality check. Reality check plus wake back to bed. Or reality check plus wake back to bed plus M-I-L-D. M-I-L-D is an acronym for Mnemonic Induction of Lucid Dreams. This is simply the wake-back-to-bed method, but includes the, the recitation of an affirmation such as, next time I'm dreaming, I remember that I'm dreaming, before going back to sleep. Interesting, the reality check method of the, of the, of its, let me try again, interesting, the reality check method on its own didn't produce an increase in lucid dreaming. But the researchers cautioned that other long-term studies into lucid dreaming did have more success with such checks and speculate that the participants in the current study didn't have enough time to develop the habit of using the technique. And I think that's key with lucid dreaming. You need to take enough time to make this stuff a habit so you're doing it in your sleep. So they found that, I believe using all three was what worked. Uh, but what practical benefits could such a study into lucid dreaming induced pr induction provide? Ultimately, I want to develop techniques that are effective through, uh, effective enough to permit serious exploration of the many potential benefits and applications of lucid dreaming, explains lead study author Denholm Aspie, a visiting research fellow in psychology in Australia's University of Adelaide. Aspie says that potential benefits could include the honing of skills from waking reality while one is still asleep, or possibly allowing PTSD sufferers to take control of their nightmares when and possibly before they occur. So, this research is pretty interesting. They found that, here's the percentage, it was a 17% success rate of people that used uh, all three methods, and it, which was more effective than using just the other two, and those that were able to fall asleep within five minutes after using the MILD technique reported a 46% increase in success over that those that took longer to nod off. So there's some very promising, significant results here into this lucid dreaming, these lucid dreaming techniques. Uh, I'll share this. I'll share the article if you want to read the full research article as well through apapsych.net. 
what can we do with this? I want to expand on that a little bit. You can use these lucid dreaming techniques to, to run scenarios, to run simulations, to conduct training. Uh, and, and this is why I caution us about, about the AI and about the cyber merging stuff because we're losing, we will be losing a natural ability. I, I, I worry that it's going to inhibit our ability to connect through the dream state on our own. It's going to create another universe that we'd be tapping into as opposed to our own internal universe that we still don't know enough about. So this will be able to help you deal with stressful problems. It'll help you learn. You can train in different things. You'll be able to avoid nightmares. And they're, they're saying it could help you with PTSD coping as well, which I think is awesome. There's also a company... I follow them on Instagram. I, I connected with them years ago. I would like to get them on the show for an interview. Lucid Dream Leaf. Um, they have a product that if you take the product, it's it's a pill, all natural substances. It induces lucid dreaming states. Uh, I want to try the product. Um, I, have, I just haven't gotten to it yet. I know I covered it a while ago on a, a very, very, very old show. I can't even tell you if it was this or the old change cast, but I do want to reach out to them eventually, get them on the air to talk about it as well. I think this is something that can benefit us, taking control of your dreams. It's something I've tried uh, just right now with uh, young kids who keep waking up at night. It's just not in the cards for me. I'm hoping within the next six months, once the baby's a little bit older, that'll happen. Okay, so let me move on to remote viewing. I'll be doing the experiment shortly, but I need to give some background here. After... The show I did on Tom DeLonge and his To The Stars Academy, and I talked about how put off. I started doing a little bit more digging into how put off and his research and his contributions because how put off is tied into the To The Stars Academy. This ties into disclosure. And how put off has quite an impressive resume. And I started looking into him and listening to his testimonials about, and this isn't a show about how put off, but I started listening to his testimony about the development of the remote viewing program. And he tells a fantastic story, a, a, a believable story about how him and Ingo Swan and Russell Targ and a few others really developed remote viewing through SRI and involved the CIA. Um, you know, to, to create this process, this system, to use our own psychic intuitive abilities to experience things, to see things, to learn things, to know things. And that it's something we're all capable of doing. And from there, I listened to some Ingo Swan interviews, and he, you know, was one of the most gifted psychics that ever lived. Um, and he's you know, responsible as well for showing them, hey, here's how I do it. Here's how you can learn to do it as well. I'll talk about that a little bit more. And then I came on to some Russell Targ stuff and some Russell Targ interviews. And he's he's kind of who I'm going to focus on today because he said some things that I want to replicate. But they all said that anybody is capable of doing this. And they talked about the history of it. They talked about how um, it really evolved, and, and one of the th stories that they shared, and I'll have some of the shows, but just Google them on YouTube. You'll find interviews on Coast to Coast. You'll find random interviews, um, and, and it's great stuff. But the reason why the program was classified is because they were looking at things that the CIA was using for espionage. 
once they finished with the CIA, some of the CIA stuff became declassified. And a lot of the the non-sensitive stuff is out there in professional scientific journals. And these guys are actual physicists. They're actual researchers with strong credentials. And this is why I'm saying psychic stuff, ESP, this is real. And this is something we can all be using. I don't I don't understand why this doesn't get more attention. I have my own theories, which you want to call me a conspiracy theorist, tinfoil hat wearer. I do. But it doesn't what I'm seeing is it's not the CIA who's blocking this, saying we don't want people to know this, we don't want people to do this. Maybe it is, but from what I heard from Targ, the way he's talking about it, the way his information is out there, it's open source. There's no blockage for it. So we need to suspend our belief for a minute and accept that this is possible. We've all had those moments where we think, oh, I haven't heard from so-and-so in a long time, and within 24 hours they call you. That's not coincidence. We're tapping into that psychic data. Now, what Russell Targ was talking about, and I'm not going to do as good a job as him because I don't, they're his stories, not mine. He shared a lot of wonderful experiences with verifiable results about how they would select a target. Some, one of the people in the experiment would go out to a particular target. The remote viewer would sit alone in a room. They'd have no idea of what the target was, and they would start describing the target, and they were getting great results. And then the CIA would come in and say, we're going to give you some coordinates. Tell us what you see there. And they would get great results. One time, they had a coordinate, which was a cabin located in the woods somewhere. They wanted to know who was in there, what was going on in the cabin. And the viewer starts describing just beyond the cabin, there was a cliff. And beneath that cliff, they found this secret classified facility. So they assume, well, it's the CIA. This must be what they want to know about. And they start describing the facility. They start describing code words that were used within the facility. And uh, lo and behold, CIA said, that's not our target. And apparently the NSA stepped in and said, that's one of the most classified installations that we have. How do you know about this? And these guys ended up getting investigated for espionage. They thought there was a mole in the program. Pretty funny story to hear about it, but it just goes to show the success rate of it. Russell Targ did give the caveat that most people can't read code words, but they did have one guy, I forget who it was, who was actually so gifted that he was able to read stuff. Okay, so the results are there. This stuff is real. Some of these results are on Targ's website, but we need to now take a step back and understand what remote viewing data is. And what he was trying to explain is that our conscious mind, and, I, and I've come across this in my own research and my own experience, our conscious mind, our thoughts, screw up psychic data because we try to analyze it and we try to label everything. So let's say that your target is a, a house. You close your eyes. In our minds, those of us that don't do this, we would sit here and say, oh, we we're expecting to say, I see a house, I see the windows, I see the door, I see, and you would describe everything that you're seeing in terms that have labels. But in reality, the way remote viewing works, I'm not a remote viewer yet. I've, I've been studying it, practicing a little bit, but in the studying I've done, in the descriptions I've read, 
you may start off by describing the textures. You may identify it as a structure, a man-made structure. You're not going to use the term house because house has all these other connections to it. And you may describe, you know, there's an opening in the structure. There's life forms in the structure. You may describe the colors of the structure. You may describe the temperatures, the te you know, the, all these different aspects of the structure. You may be able to put a sketch together of this structure, but you're not sitting here saying it's a house. You're describing the structure because now you can use that analytical data and you can look at the angles that you may have described. What if it's got some kind of weird architecture? Instead of just saying a house, you're going to describe the angles of it. You're going to describe the colors of it. These are all things that we can verify, that we can say, yep, this counts as a hit. You are getting accurate data. Because what if you say you're going to describe a house, but in reality, it's not a house. It's uh, a bunker or it's a storefront. Well, now you've kind of missed the mark because you're labeling. So instead, start describing things, and you're going to get more accuracy that way. And I want you to keep that in mind when we do our experiment in a little bit. You're going to describe your experience. You're going to describe your feelings. You're not going to tell me what you think it is. And I, I, we need to be clear with that. And, and that's, that's how I discern my own psychic data. I have stopped trying to guess exactly what it is, and I report exactly what the immediate feelings and impressions I get are. Now, with experience, as I probe those feelings and experiences a little bit more through my mind and my consciousness, I can start to get more complex feelings and impressions, and I can maybe draw a conclusion. But the first thing I do is I have to report that initial feeling because the second I label it, I lose it because then my mind takes over and creates false feelings for that label. But when I can hold on to that initial feeling, now I can start dissecting that initial feeling through my mind and my heart and whatever, you know, whatever methods that I use or whatever you want to use. That label kills it. Now, Courtney Brown, through the Farsight Institute, he has ways of dealing with that label because sometimes that thought keeps coming in his head. He has a way of writing it down, and that allows the conscious mind to put it on there to acknowledge it and then keep it moving. So you can go back to that raw data. That's what we want. But let me talk for a minute about Russell Targ. His website is ESPResearch.com. It's called his Brief Bio. He's a physicist and author, a pioneer in the development of the laser and laser applications, and a co-founder of the Stanford Research Institute, or SRI, investigation of psychic abilities in the 1970s and 80s. SRI is a research and development think tank in Melno Park, California. Called Remote Viewing, his work in psychic area has been published in Nature, the Proceedings of the Institute of Electronic and Electrical Engineers, and the Proceedings of the American Association for the Advancement of Science. Targ has a bachelor's degree in physics from Queens College and did graduate work in physics at Columbia University. He's received two National Aeronautics and Space Administration Awards for inventions and contributions to lasers and laser communications. In 1983 and 1984, he accepted invitations to the present remote viewing demonstrations and the address at the USSR Academy of Science on his research. 
He is author and co-author of nine books dealing with the scientific investigation of psychic abilities and Buddhist approaches to the transformation of consciousness, including mind-researched scientists' look at psychic ability with E. Harold Putoff, 1977 and 2005, Miracles of Mind, Exploring Non-Local Consciousness and Spiritual Healing with Jane Catra, 1998, and Limitless Mind, A Guide to Remote Viewing and Transformation of Consciousness, 2004. He also wrote an autobiography, Do You See What I See? Memoirs of a Blind Biker, in 2008. His current book is The Reality of ESP, A Physicist Proof of Psychic Abilities. As a senior staff scientist at Lockheed Missiles and Space Company, Targ developed airborne laser systems for the detection of wind shear and air turbulence. Having retired in 1997, he now writes books on psychic research and teaches remote viewing worldwide. I'll have the link to his website in the show notes. Check it out. This is credible stuff. This is a credible guy. So I don't feel crazy anymore when I go on Instagram and I go on Facebook and I say, hey, everybody's psychic and we can all learn to do it. There's credible people behind it. And, and that's why I'm so excited about this. I can't wait to try this experiment. He also has, let's see, uh, that's the link to his website there with all his books. He also has remote viewing examples through his website. I'll have that up in the show notes. You can go look at the examples and see what the data looks like and draw your own conclusions. I've shared the links in the past to the Farsight Institute, farsight.org. They actually have a remote viewing course. Uh, that's through Courtney Brown. He has a process called Scientific Remote Viewing. It sounds like cor- I, I, I have the course. I've started going through the course. Courtney Brown's process is very regimented and very structured. When I listen to Courtney Brown, he is a very he is very big on this needs to be structured, this needs to be routine, this needs to be procedured, everything needs to be done in a very specific way. I don't know specifically Russell Targ's procedures or how put off or in go swans, but they seem a lot more laid back and casual in their approach to remote viewing. Um not saying one's better than the other. I think they probably both work. I'm trying to experiment and dabble with them with them all. But I think that this is something we should all practice, that we should all try. And I've said it before, imagine if we had remote viewers at every level of government, to include local government, to say, hey, let me just look a week into the future to see, you know, what problems we may face, even a natural disaster coming, how will this disaster affect our town? We can look into the future and gather that data so we can prepare for that to happen. There's so many potential benefits. I mean, what Targ and Putoff, you know, both say is that they use this to predict, uh, and they played the silver market. They made over $120,000 over nine weeks. They had nine weeks in a row where they were accurate nine times in a row with their method of predicting, is the silver market going to rise? Is it going to fall? And they bet their money based on that. Their interviews are fascinating. It's actually very simple how they designed this experiment. Now, what Targ cautions is he says they tried it the second year in a row, but their investor got greedy. He had them doing it twice as many times, and the intention was off. Their, their intent became greed and not for the knowledge. I forget exactly how he explained it. He said, but that does not negate the first year where we were correct nine years in a row and made 120, nine weeks in a row and made $120,000 off of it. Okay, um, and that's called associate remote viewing. Instead of viewing something complicated like the silver market, they pick an object. They pick two, let's say two objects. Is the market going to go up or is the market going to go down? If the market goes up in two weeks or in a week, I will show you this object. It's a baseball. 
If the market goes down, I will show you this object. It's a slipper. Now, they don't tell you what the object's going to be. Then the remote viewer, a week before, goes in and does the session, the, the goal of the session, you know, because you have to clearly identify your target. The goal of the session is to see which object you will be shown in the future. And then you report on that object. Now, you know... If that's the object you're describing, they later, you know, then you find out, well, that object means the market went up and that's what you bet it on. The viewer is totally blind going into this. And that's kind of what we're going to do with our experiment. I'm going to show you, an, I'm going to tell you about an object in the future, meaning at the end of this show. I'm going to describe and, and give you an object. And before I do that, you're going to describe that object. And we're going to see what kind of results you get because this is what Russell Targ said he does at, at groups, at discussions, or when he was pitching remote viewing to different people to show them, hey, you can do this. Here's how it works. I want to give this a try. I hope that the preparation I gave you into the mindset as far as how this data comes in will put you in the right mindset for describing it. I'm going to try to walk you through it. Uh, without giving any clues away as to what the object is you will be describing. Uh, something I should have planned for is a way for you to communicate your results to me. So right now I'm going to say go to serviceofchange.com and hit the contact form. I'm going to try this again next week as well if this works, if we have success with it, and I'll probably have a better way uh, of, embedding, of embedding a communication system to track some data here. But let's do this experiment. Please participate. I, I really want to see if this works. So I'm going to give us a few moments to quiet our minds. I'm going to give us some time to prepare. And I'm going to ask that you get uh, a pen and some paper just so you can write your thoughts down so you don't lose them, so you don't forget what they are. So if you need to pause the podcast right here, go ahead and pause it. Grab yourself a pen and paper, um, and I'll walk us through a quick relaxation technique. If you need to calm your mind even further, then simply pause the podcast, quiet your mind, and then hit play when you're ready again, and we can conduct our experiment. Okay, I want you to sit comfortably in a comfortable chair. If you're driving, please do not do this. Sit in a comfortable chair. And I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to just focus on your breathing. I want you to breathe in through your nose slowly for five seconds. Breathe out through your mouth slowly. Five seconds. Breathe in through your nose. Breathe out through your mouth. Breathe in through your nose. Feel your belly start to expand with air. Breathe out through your mouth. Feel your entire body begin to relax as you exhale. Breathe in again through your nose. Breathe out and picture 
all the muscles from your head, through your neck, through your shoulders and chest and back, relaxing and melting into your chair all the way down, down through your legs, through your feet and into the floor. Take one last deep breath in through your nose and release it all. One big cleansing breath out through your mouth. Now, in a few moments, I'm going to reveal to you what this object is. I want you to focus your attention on that moment when I describe this object. I want you to start reporting what you're feeling. What are you experiencing right now? What colors do you see? What shapes are coming to mind? What sizes are you experiencing? What feelings do you have affiliated with this object? Use descriptive words. Try not to label. How does it feel? If you were to touch it and hold it in your hand, how does it feel? Write your thoughts down. If you need another minute, pause the podcast because I'm getting ready to reveal what the object is. So again, if you're still working this, if you're still trying to connect with it, please pause the podcast. Okay. Take a deep breath. Let's debrief here. I'm going to describe the object. Are you nervous? Are you excited? I'm excited about this. I really hope that you'll email me the results if it worked. Okay. What I'm holding in my hand right now is it's about three inches tall. It's my child's toy. It's Cookie Monster. Cookie Monster is wearing a chef's hat and a chef's apron. So I have blue Cookie Monster with a white chef's hat and a white apron. And he has a yellow bowl with brown cookies in the bowl. His one hand is held up and he's holding a, uh, a silver mixer. It looks like a pole with a, uh, a ball on the top of it. And it's silver in color. The texture, it's hard plastic. Um, and it's, it's a little bit rough and wavy because it simulated his fur. His mouth is open. I see the colors blue for his fur, yellow and brown for the cookies in the bowl, white for the eyes, the hat, and the apron, silver for the mixing spoon, and black for the eyeball, for the pupils, and for his mouth. Uh, underneath his feet, he has like an octagon hole going in. I guess he used to sit on top of a pencil or something. So... Uh, what I ask that you please report this to me, S send me word for word what you wrote down. If you did a sketch, please take a picture of the sketch and email it to me. Uh, and I would like to post these results, um, you know, online in, in a few in a follow up article to this. So please 
take a, a picture of your sketch if you have a sketch. If you want to just take a picture of your notes and upload it, you can email it to uh, Dennis Nappy, the second, that's D-E-N-N-I-S-N-A-P-P-I-I-I at gmail.com. Send me that email. Uh, I, and, and that contact information is at servicechange.com. Scroll to the bottom, hit contact, and you'll get my email address. And you can just send me that email if you want to upload those pictures to me. Um, I'd love to see it. Let's gather some data here because I, I want to show that this is something we can do. I, I don't know if this is going to work. Um, this is what I'm told how easy it is for us to do. Uh, if it didn't work, then we've learned something, and we will try it again next week because maybe it takes a little bit of practice. I don't know. Um, and I'd love to try this on my own. I'll have to get somebody to give me an object that I can describe as well. I'm going to give this a try as well. But thank you for being a part of this experiment with me. I'm, I'm really excited about it. I hope it does work for all of us out there. I hope you participated. Please, 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 please send me your results. I, I want to see what this is. And I will post those results for everybody that participated for us to share and see how we all did. I think this can be a lot of fun. And I want to try and do stuff like this uh, in future shows as well. So I'm excited about it. All right. Don't forget, you can find an archive of all of our shows right now at serviceofchange.com. Also on SoundCloud, we have, I know there's over 40 hours of free podcast content. SoundCloud on iTunes, on TuneIn Radio, on Google Play, and uh, so many other platforms out there. Check it out. If you haven't done so, subscribe to whatever your favorite podcast feed burner is. Subscribe to it. Subscribe to the Secret Newsletter. Follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash the Sixth Sense Media. Twitter at six underscore sense underscore media. Make sure you check out the works of Ray Davis and the constant tweets and information he is sharing. He's also got some great content. That's going to be coming out through the Sixth Sense Media platform. He's doing a lot with his affirmation spot, his positive affirmations that can help enhance your life. Ray does some awesome things. I can't wait to uh, start getting more of his stuff out there as well. He's also the author of Anunnaki Awakening for our ancient astronaut uh, theorists and Anunnaki fans. You're going to want to check out Ray's work as well. That's all the time I have. I have to go start my day now. I've been up since 4.30 thanks to my youngest. It's 6.45 a.m. Saturday morning. I hope to have this show out later this afternoon. Thanks for listening, my friends. Remember that... Small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning and keep an open mind. Thank you.